All right. Howdy, folks. Welcome to Who Am I? Episode 5. Today we've got uh, Mr. Frank on. Uh, I don't know your last name, so I'm just calling you Mr. Frank. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's get to it. Uh, let's start with the first question. Uh, Frank, can you tell us your name and what got you interested in coming on the podcast? Uh, my name is Frank, a.k.a. DJ Cisco. Um, I came on this podcast just to give out a little history of my background on who I am. Solid. Uh, so let's get started. Um, what do you do for a living? Uh, I'm a professional DJ. Um, I got own graphic designs. I'm also a loop tech at Grease Monkey. Um, that's pretty much what I do, you know, for a living. Do any of those uh, speak to you more than any others? Yes, uh, my DJing career is what speaks to me more because I have a passion and a love for music. I always, you know, people always make fun of me because we can be anywhere, you know, just chilling and if a song comes on, I'll just out of nowhere start dancing and people start laughing at me and they're like, man, you're always laughing. I'm like, yeah. And I said, why are you always laughing? They're like, well, because, you know, you just dance out of nowhere and you just keep on dancing, keep on dancing and, you know, you just keep moving and you know, sometimes you don't even need music to dance and you're still dancing. I say, yeah, well, that's why I like, you know, dancing and that's why I like music and, you know, because it makes you move in certain ways that only it can make you move. Like they say, you know, music good for the soul and when you hear something, your soul likes to move, it's going to move the way it wants to. So that's when I took more taking take to is the DJing part because, like I said, I love I love the passion of DJing, turntablism. Turn is is like the world to me. I get lost in my music. A lot of people say when I DJ that I, I make weird faces like I'm taking it so serious like they don't understand that you know it's it, I get lost and it's like I'm in another world like everything is shut off. It's like total darkness and just me and the music there. I, I really don't pay attention too much to the crowd only to work the crowd and see what's going and what's working what's not which a lot of DJs don't do or they make the mistake of not looking at their crowd and feeding off the crowd but I get lost in my music I just in a zone that they say why are you so serious I said you know I take it serious you know and I don't mean to look all crazy and pissed off or you know why am I here anything like that because it's not that as long as I'm playing music I'm good and I get lost in that and you know the world changes to me and I become my own person the, one, uh, the person that I want to be and the things that I want to do and that's how I get lost into my music and my passion for DJing. So in a way it's almost like meditative for you yes. to like Very you know be there and like be doing it like right. you know what an athlete would have say when they're like I don't, I don't know sports I'm just going to try to make some analogies of like right. you know when a quarterback's about to throw a you know football like that flash moment before like they could get tackled or could actually throw it right. like it's a form of meditation of like they're going to look serious but like they're going to have fun in that moment and right. like, they're going to do it like yeah, same yeah. way when like you're playing tennis and like you may or may not be able to return a like serve or a volley but right. like you're going to be in that moment trying to and like yeah. in that moment it's almost like I don't know meditating you're not mm-hmm. looking at the other person you're just looking at you trying to hit the ball right yeah pretty much that that's the way it is I mean it's like I get these tingling feelings in my hands and my arms, and that's when I really get lost. Like, I'll just DJ for hours and hours. I've had girlfriends that kind of like, 
were iffy about getting with me or you know anything because of the concerts that I go, the fans that would I would have, the followers I would have, you know. And I told her, I said, this is my music career. This is what I'm doing. I said that that means a lot more to me than what was going on now because without my fans, I'm nobody, you know. And that's what a lot of these big DJs and these lot of these big artists from everywhere don't realize or fail to see is that when your fans come up to you and ask you something or want to talk to you, take time and talk to them. Take time and, and acknowledge them. Only for the simple fact that they're making you who you are. Yeah, you may have all the best beats in the world. You may have be the best rapper in the world. But without fans, you ain't nothing but that person that you've always been, a nobody. So that's why when fans come up to me and they talk to me, I'm always welcome, all open arms. Yeah, hey, let them through, come on. Hey, you want to come on stage with me? Come on. You know, <clears throat> this music career ain't going to change me. Like I said, I'm on my way to the top with, with what I'm doing. And uh, like I, I'm not going to stop for nobody. I'm going to keep on succeeding whether you like me or not, like you like the way I DJ or not, my music, my style, whatever. I'm used to that. It's been like that since I was little. I really don't care uh, about what anybody says or thinks about me because my what I'm when I do mine like that, you don't exist in my world when I'm DJing. Yeah, it's a form of art where it's your correct, thing. correct. Let's and actually dig into where you said since you were a child. Is there anything like so? So it's not like music is very significant to you, and like just knowing you personally too, I can guess that much. Right. Um, where did that start? Like, did that come as a child? Did that come from, like, any memories or, like, family traditions for or cultural me, for things? For starting to DJ? Or? or just, like, getting into music and, like, enjoying it? In music? Well, um, my mom and my dad have always, like, since I was little, left on the radio. Mm -hmm. Or I've been sitting in there, living, sleeping while they're in there. So I guess it was started off like that with my parents. And then my brother... He listened to nothing like YouTube, uh, you know, the patch mode, you know, music like that. So we were roommates, you know, because I was his little brother. And but it's only started building up your taste and yeah, like different so, varieties and, and different and genres. Just with him alone was like did like three different kind of musics at one time. You know, my parents were traditional. It was either country or Tejano or Mexicano, Norteñas, which was you know traditionally with all the Old, old school, you know, older people than, you know, like my mom and dad and y'all's mom and dad, you know, that type of era. So then when I got a little bit older and me and my brother were sharing a room, I started listening to the music that he was into, plus other two kind of genres that he was into. So once we started, you know, getting a little bit older and I started going to school, then I started listening to other people's music and like, hey man, what's that? That sounds cool. Then, this is what like, really totally blew my mind. The B-Boy era. Man. The 80s, well, I can't say 80s. I'm gonna say 80s because that's when I was around, when, when it was at its peak. But I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think 19, 77, I think, eight. Somewhere between 77 and 79 is when the B-Boy era started. You know, and it was just a couple kids getting together, doing things out in the streets, and people kept, you know, getting crowds. So then, about, 
I'd say 81, 82, I was sitting at home and I seen on TV and it said, you know, solid gold. And I was like, solid gold? What is that? And it was a, a music TV show that's, you know, played music and videos and it showed people dancing and everything. And the first thing I saw was these, all these guys, like all these little kids in different spots. And one of them gets up and he starts popping. And I was like, wow, that is so cool. Man, I want to do that. So I would sit in front of the TV and see these people breakdancing. So I started learning how to do it just by watching them on TV. And then going and listening to other music from that era and like Grandmaster Flash, uh, Cool Hand Hurt, uh, um, Grand Melly, all, all those big DJs back then, simple scratching. But that shit was just, so, so, so live. It was like, man, to do the both of those things would be live. So when I got older, I started looking and started checking out and I started going to dances, going to DJ battles. I was like amazed at how, how they can transform something into something else and make a song that wasn't even that song into the song. I was like, man, that's just, that's just crazy. You know, that's just wild. How can you, how can you do that? So about the mid 90s, well actually about maybe 91 and 92, um, my neighbor, Veronica, she had her boyfriend, his name was uh, Sal, and we were chilling and uh, he goes, hey man, he goes, you know I'm a DJ, right? And I was like, no nah, man, I didn't know you were a DJ. So he takes me into his room and he goes, hey, check this out. And I see two turntables and a mixer. And I was like, oh yeah. I said, man, so he showed me a little bit of DJing. Then he turns to me, looks at me and he goes, wanna learn? Hell yeah, I wanna learn. He goes, well, come on. So since then he taught me, he was showing me. And from there, I just took off with it. I just started doing it on my own, started getting gigs. It was house parties. Then it turned into birthday parties. Then it turned into quinces. Then it turned into uh, weddings, anniversaries, to shows, to concerts, to, you know, just doing DJing for the, the city of Austin, for the Austin Independent School District. I'm also the Austin Independent School District community advocate and coordinator. So I do a lot for the schools here in Austin, Pflugerville, Round Rock, and Maynard. Oh, that's actually an interesting pivot. Uh, so, so let's uh, talk about that. Um, so for those who don't know, um, you're from Austin, as Correct. Tarek would call you a unicorn because people from Austin apparently are very rare nowadays. Yes, but Austin, uh, right, it's hard to find. So yeah, let's, uh, let's dig into that. What was, where'd you grow up in Austin? What was that like? You know, what was Austin like before? Well, uh, I grew up in the east side of Austin, uh, 02. Um, back then it was way different than it is now. Uh, it was a lot harder for me, only because I'm, I'm Mexican, but I look white, colored eyes, blonde hair, light skin. And at that time, if you weren't uh, black or if you weren't uh, Mexican, you were talked about, you know, you were 
um, saying that you shouldn't be going to the east side because all this violence, everything that's going on, but people didn't realize that that's in everybody's neighborhood, in any state, any country, anywhere in the world. There's always gonna be a place like that. So growing up in there was hard, you know, it was like, things were tougher. Don't get me wrong, I love the 80s. I wish the 80s would come back, because I mean, <laughs> those were the best times ever. They had the coolest things out, you know what I mean? Also, and, back then, tech actually worked. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? Even the video games were cheesy, but they were the best video game in the world. Um, so, I grew up, uh, went to school here in Austin, uh, went to Allen Brook, O'Henry, Johnson, and I went to Houston Tillerson for a little bit. Um, I grew up with the love of music. Um, I was always learning stuff. I was educating myself, I was reading, um, I was doing things to keep myself busy, but in the 80s you could do that. In the 80s it was cool to do that, you know what I mean, because we didn't have nothing else to do. We didn't have no computers, we didn't have, well we had a computer, it was, it was a tandem, and you know. Back then you were lucky to have DSL. <laughs> yeah, if that, you yeah. know what I mean. Like you when mean, I got DSL we were like, oh damn, we're flying. <laughs> yeah, wow. These, uh, Bites are going quick than mug, yeah. Back then it was slow process, very slow process. It was all prompts and commands and stuff like that. And that's how you got your information. You put these prompts and commands and the next thing you know, you have a list of everything that's coming up on what, you know, the program is and what the programs are and what you got and what you don't got. Um, some of the best stuff was made in the 80s. Hell, I got a radio shack microphone from the 80s and it's still working to this day. I still use it. I mean, the quality is what it was when I bought it. I mean, hey, you you showed me the, uh, the other day at uh, at the uh, smoke shop event. Like, it Correct. still hits. Like, sure, I've got studio mics and all that here, but like, if you're out in an event and you're just gonna be thrown around, like, if it can still be kicking and like, hell, that thing breaks, I saw the screws, you can take it apart and re-solder the board. Like, yeah. <laughs> and you, well, at the radio shack, you can buy the little capacitors. Oh, yeah, back then you could actually buy the capacitors and all that shit, too. Yeah. Now my phone breaks, I got to go buy a new yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> now you got to buy the old phone. It's like, wow. Yeah. Like these new electric cars, the car breaks, you got to buy a whole new car instead yeah. of just replacing the part that broke. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, in the 80s, cops weren't so bad back in the, in the day. I mean, they were more, uh, hey, you know, I know your dad, I know your mom, you need to go home. You know, this is a warning. Now they were ready to shoot and, you know, do all kinds of stuff. And that's not cool. That's why a lot of people shy away from the cops. But well, it sounds like back then y'all had a much more close-knit community. So, like, y'all yeah. knew your officers. Yeah, it was all about community, you know. And, and then after a while, all these out-of-state investors trying to come in and they put a stop to that. And then now they reopened it and then now it's, like, changed. Everything is the way they want Everything is the way the the people from out of state want it to be. When you can't change a state that ain't your state. Yeah, I mean, which people. Granted, I'm an implant too. I came from Pittsburgh, but like, right. I came here because I like Austin. Well, yeah. like, I feel like a lot of people come here and they want like California or New York or Boston or yeah. DC in Texas, and I'm like, that's not right. what Texas is. Like, no. it's a hot ass state with a lot of room. Like, and a whole and it's weird. bunch of mosquitoes. Yeah, like, like you're gonna like you're gonna have to get used to it. <laughs> Like I said, if you don't like the bugs or you don't like the kitchen because that's what they call, you know, Texas, the kitchen, 
If it gets too hot, hey. Or even just a noise. Like, for a state with all this room, there's always some noise going around. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny, too, because the other day, me and my dad were talking about the traffic. Because I, I, I work in Buda. And uh, I said, yeah, Dad. He goes, yeah, they're doing a whole bunch of construction, lane closing. And I said, yeah, Dad, but you know what? They're, they're doing saying that it's going to help out with the traffic solution, which it's not. It's just going to make more of a traffic solution. Uh, you had more lanes, you had more cars. Correct. And that's a good point that you said that because I told him the only way you can make, the only way you can stop or control traffic control and to actually control it, stop making vehicles. That's the only way you're going to stop traffic and control it. Because if the more cars you make, guess what? The more people get it, grow up to drive, the more vehicles they're going to have to drive. And that's the only solution you're going to have to controlling traffic is stop making vehicles. You know, it's not hard. Oh, that. We need to start shifting over to things like buses and like bikes yeah. and like other, like, I can bike to and Poppy, please drop that. Poppy. Sit. Yeah. This girl's been squeaking all the time. <laughs> but yeah, yeah well, like, it's because, like, uh, um, we have buses for a reason, but we don't use them. And it's like, why are we investing more and more money into these bus uh, companies like, you know, our, our city buses for other things other than what we really need it for you. And it's like, why are we even trying to make make more money and spend more money? People ain't even riding the buses. You want to spend more money on more projects. That don't make no sense. You got to get people to get riding the buses yeah. again in order for you to improve. But I feel like that's the thing of like, we already have these buses, make practical routes. Like, right. I used to work downtown and like for, or not, yeah. So like for me to get to and from, um, uh, uh, the office, it would have to first take a bus to loop around like part of downtown mm -hmm. and then walk the opposite direction back up to the office because there's no actual direct way to just take a bus down 7th and right. stop somewhere in the middle of downtown. Yeah. Well, back in, like I said, back in the 80s, it was a lot different. There was three of them. There was one by Congress, one by Brazos, and then one further up off of, of Trinity. Right in the middle of it. They just dropped you off, you know, like, oh, bet. Now I can get dropped off and I can walk everywhere I well, exactly. like it, It'd be so convenient that way because yeah. like, you know like, oh, I'm on this block, I'll just walk up a block that way or that way and I'll catch a bus back home. And like, that's the way it was. And they ran every 15 minutes everywhere. So it's like, why are y'all running an hour now? But y'all got all these buses, you want people to ride the buses. You should be back the way it was, 15 yeah. minutes. Have another bus coming. And have practical routes. Yeah. like. Like, they did so many lane closures and so many uh, BS construction that they got rid of a lot of the bus stops. And that was one of the things that really hurt us from when they did this because they took a lot of the bus routes that came down the major areas and they took them all out. And then they added night owls when I've never heard or even seen anybody since I was little till now go wait outside at 3.34 in the morning for a bus. And um, that was a useless bus stop, so they, they took it out. They took the ones that on 7th Street that are supposed to be there so you can travel from 7th, from the airport all the way downtown with no problem. Here's the thing, it only goes on one side, the other side doesn't even come at all. It comes down another route, and yeah. it's like... Which like even makes it more stupid, because like, think how much utility the city would have by having a route from the airport to downtown where all the hotels are yeah. like you, 
the amount of like just congestion you get through Ubers and pickups and all like because sure. picking up anyone at Austin sucks. Yeah. Like I almost need like, I almost wish they fly Allegiant so I can just go all the way out to the <laughs> South Terminal. <laughs> can I just take this one all the way over here, please? Yeah, like do you mind leaving the airport and going to the South Terminal for me to pick you up? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we've talked about music. We've talked about Austin. Uh, what about this? Uh, do you have any relationship with spirituality or faith? Well, I was programmed since I was little to be Catholic. I like the use of the word programmed. Yeah. Um, well, if you really think about it, we're programmed. Everything we're doing right now, we're programmed to do. Right, I have all these habits and like neurosities I picked up from my childhood. Like. Yeah, and, and that's a good example. Like, okay, a, a, a ripe cherry, right? If you come into a world where you don't even know anything about a cherry or you don't even know what it looks like, what it is or anything like that, how would you know what it tastes like, right? We're programmed that cherries taste like cherries since we were little. So when we eat it and we bite it and we're chewing on it and we're looking at visually because our, our eyes are programming what we're seeing and we put it in there and we take This is what cherry tastes like only because we're programmed for us to think and make us seem that that's what a cherry really tastes like. Does a cherry really taste like a cherry? That's the question. You know, and the Matrix said it the, the best way when he was having a, a talk with the engineer and Mr. Anderson was telling him and he was like, you know what? You see the steak right here? The only reason I know it's a steak and the only reason I know it's a steak and tastes like a steak is because I was programmed for me to be thinking that way. He goes, for all I know, I can eat this and it can taste like carrots. And that's pretty much what it's like now. I was programmed to be Catholic. Uh, I served as an altar boy. I was asked to become a priest. I said no. Um, later on, my spiritualities changed. Um, do I believe in one creator and one creator only? Yes. What domination? None. One God is one God. It doesn't matter if he's Allah, if he's um, Buddha, if he's God, or if he's, uh, I forgot what the Hindus call him. We have many names. But yeah. basically just trying to agree on the fact that I don't know what you want to call the creator, but it exists. Yeah. And just simply and, having and, that as your basis. And in, through your eyes, because you're a program from ancient times, that's what you perceive God or your creator to be. Mine, I don't see any of that because I've already seen it. I already know about it because, like, Christianity, people like, I don't have nothing about against Christianity, but they need to go back and, and, and see where they're, I don't want to put it in bad terms, but it is, it's going to be what it is. Their cult religion, because their, their religion started from a Satan cult. So... When you say, oh, be Christian, like, no, I'm not. Sorry, I'm not going to be like that. Because Christians are one of the biggest hypocrites in the world because they come from a Satan culture, cult, and made it into a good religion. But that Christianity doesn't like any other religion. So how can you be Christian or Christian like if you don't like any other religions and your religion is the only religion? It goes back to that quote that people have to toss around of, you know, I love Christ, I just don't like his Christians. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at the stories, like Christ, he was, he was an outcast. Like, 
his, his, his own church that he was supposed to be the child of God in denounced him. The, the very people who he served, the people whose society, you know, didn't care for. Yeah. And yet, you know, people try to have an us versus them when it comes to my religion versus your religion. Yeah. And it, it, hence the word outcast. Yeah. So, yeah. So I, I've, I've learned, like, yes, I, I'm spiritual, like, in my creator, but I'm also spiritual as the universe because we are the universe. Yeah. We are made from the universe. Well, even scientifically, we're made of the same yeah. atoms that stars are made out of. Yeah. Like, the same molecules that make up all of us are the same molecules that make up everything else. See, and that's another thing, like, I, I tell people, like, your spiritual energy, like, when people say, man, I feel drained, I feel like, you know, I'm exhausted. Take your shoes off, take your socks out, walk on the dirt, walk on, not the concrete. Don't, don't concrete, straight grass, straight dirt. The alkaline in your body and the alkaline in the dirt have a act, a, a react, a counteract and a reaction. So when you're going out there, when they say charging your body, that don't mean drinking water, eating or anything like that. It means go outside, barefooted, ground, feet to ground and touching nature. That's how you ground yourself out. That's how you re-energize yourself. Not by sleeping, not by eating, not by drinking. It's all about exchanging energy. That's how you actually regenerate your body because you're throwing out all the negative energy, all the alkaline that's not good for you out of your body and then you're replacing it with the alkalines and the good stuff back from the earth. Solid. Let's see, my iPad's also slowly dying soon. So I think we can call it there, but great chat. Hell yeah. Uh, let's see.